Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. and liberating things for me and I think why this thing came to fruition uh, you know I made a big deal that this stayed quiet you know and, and you know first of all you know what I was doing I was um, you know part of the rumors are things fly out of that building and so I wanted to see could I trust this building
Um, we can't beat around the bush. We got to get right to. Do I want to work for these people? To me, um, that's an awesome deal, and I understand. I think just from being around it, from being a football fan, from being up there and playing for Bill, um, from being around Ronnie and feeling his presence, to Tina Turner and Bill Ringwood on that staff, I just get you know what dawned upon me. This isn't just a normal franchise. This is one of the iconic franchises in football, and the opportunity to restore that to its glory and to work really hard to do that. That 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 just got me, and so. What's up, y'all? It's your boy. Y'all can obviously tell um, my voice is totally shot. Um, I did a lot of screaming at yesterday. Most amazing. Thrilling. Back and forth. Heart red team win I've ever seen in my life. Why? That was amazing. Uh, I'm so proud of the Niners and the way we played yesterday. But, uh, of course, we're going to get into all that today. I went ahead and contacted Adam. Um, so we're going to go see if he can come on today. And we're going to take any of your phone calls and texts as well. The number to call in is 646-668. 8467 and the number to text in the show is 408-755. Wait, sorry, I can that. Uh, the number to text in is 408-775-3015. That number again, 408-785-3015. All right. So, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can get a hold of Adam. Um, to see if uh, we can get him to come on. I'll go ahead and play. Let me see. Um, you haven't heard. No, I don't want to play that. You haven't heard that.
Gang in the same rock and red and go. Yeah, we better touch down like a rapper low. Stand a hand with the plan, watching Rumble Sports. Once we on top, we unstoppable. Yeah, the pack like I'm Aaron Rodgers. But I'm coming for your neck like I'm Ruben Foster. I'm just trying to get it done for the record. But I ain't got no time like CJ Bender. Go on, run it back. Carlos Hyde in the backfield. You're going to get picked up like Eric Reed had it airfield. I put the wheels on them like Goodwin. Make a sexy look dumb. What you doing? Got some head on for the first down. Ay, Kendrick Bourne with the out route. Ay, then we pulling up downtown. Ay, you ain't faithful. You ain't been around. Ay. Stay faithful to the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. Stay faithful to the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. Stay faithful to the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. Stay faithful to the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. Not a gang in the same rock and red and go. Yeah, we better touch down like a rapper low. Stand a hand with the plan. Watching Rumble Sports. Once we on top, we unstoppable. Get that pack like I'm Aaron Rodgers. But I'm coming for your neck like I'm Ruben Foster. I'm just trying to get it done for the record. But I ain't got no time like CJ Besser. Go on, run it back. Carlos Hyde in the backfield. You're gonna get picked up like Eric Reed had it airfield. I put the wheels on him like Goodwin. Make a safety look dumb. What you doing? Got some head on for the first down. Stay faithful, trust the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. Stay faithful, trust the process, stay with your team, homie, that's progress. These songs keep on going really, really quick. <laughs> For real. That's kind of crazy. Should not be much longer, so I don't know if I, I want to play another song. Um, yeah, most of our songs are, are longer than that. No, no, that's kind of a bad song to play. Yeah, I think it will uh, 
At Midwest IT Support Help Desk, we believe that technology. Sorry, um, wrong, uh, wrong button. Uh, yeah, I don't have any more songs to play. Um, why do I keep on holding up that? Like, oh, I'm just starting off today. Been a long couple days. Um, yeah, okay, we should get out of quick, quick, quick. You know what? Let me just go ahead and pop on this song. And uh, if he isn't on before this, we'll go ahead and get started. If I can find it. Yeah, here we go. All right. And you know what? The longer it takes us to figure that out, the better we are. The better we are. We just keep working. And we just keep getting better, all right? Bitch, I'm a niner from the earthquake country. I can make the earth shake. About to bring it back like the 89 earthquake. Throw a pass on me, I'ma catch it like Crabtree. Who got the cush, cause the smoker gotta have tree. And pass the joint, cause the player gotta have mo. I slid a blunt down the middle like Spray Go. A quarterback don't pull it like Kaepernick. And take a poodle out the game like Alex Smith. Red and gold, that's the color of the realest. Staying on my toes, call me Patrick Willis. We back up in it. It's my team winning. I'm the comeback kid. All I need is one minute. We winning like the 80s, it's a Super Bowl city Finna take another ring home, Super Bowl city Ain't nobody fucking with us I got red and gold in my cup Wild West got the game turned up Who got it better than us? Faithful with God's honor. Throwing TD, no pick. Break for 85 yards if he opted hella quick. New stadium, new ring. Same team. Hard since keys are 49ers. We are hating on the city, but they can't hold Quinn. I fuck with Gord, Crabtree, and both win. Breaking records like we throwing vinyls. Daily Davis, you body the whole line go. That the Bartolo name is Super Bowl affiliated. Bowman and Willis, such a frame, and you gon' really hate it. We elated, not a fan. Is a fine man. Do it like the 80s and move right by the Rams. Seahawks, real life, no weak talk. Go hard on the corners, never take a weak talk. Ain't nobody fucking with us. I got red and gold in my cup. Wild West got the game turned up. Who got it better than us? What you heard, I'm a baby from the 80s, I was born on the turf, I go back like Garrison Hurst and be young, diamonds on my fingers, so just call me Steve Young, like Justin Smith, I go hard on the defense line, let a hater hate, I'm still gon' rip my here come the kickoff, bet I'm gon' run it all the way home, yeah, I'm gon' red and gold, bloody, come and get it if you want it, yeah, we gon' set it off, do you like Whitner, rip your damn helmet off, I'm lucky number seven, cause your boy deliver, throwing bombs from the bay over the Mississippi River, they ain't messing with us, from the subs to the projects, through the Scott Steiner, kiss your bicep, uh, 
soon as we touch down, we gon' burst out, run through them like Gore, going for the first down. Run Yeah, what's up, Adam? Not too bad, my man. Thanks for having me on today. How are you doing today? Of course, of course. Come on, bro. It's Victory Monday. You know, it, it, it's... Oh, my God. It, you know, I think... It feels damn good. Yeah. You know, if, I'm sure a lot of people out there, as we know, are feeling that certain type of way. But uh, it was five years too damn long. I guess that literally, that's the of biggest course. point about yesterday. I mean, okay, so so... I'm going to take this from, of course, I was at yesterday's game. So I'm taking this strictly from a, a person who was, you know, at the stadium. Not one damn person mm-hmm. gave a fucking first overall pick yesterday at that stadium, bro. I promise you that. <laughs> I promise yeah. you. Nobody wearing red and gold in that stadium yesterday gave a damn about any first overall pick. Sure. I don't think you can be part of that atmosphere and be thinking like that. Ted Robinson made it seem like it was more Seacocks fans than it really was. You know, I would say mm-hmm. it was – I'll tell people this. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm a firm believer since, you know, lime green and blue are such a contrast to red, black, gold, and white. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like – it's like with Chiefs and Niners, okay, you can kind of get it confused or, or, or whatever. But uh, I would say that there were more Broncos fans at last week's game than there were Seahawks fans at yesterday's game. I, I would, I would, by far, it wasn't even close. There was way more Broncos fans at the game. But well, the, I think it was one of those games that you know, no matter how the season's been going, I think a lot of Forty Nine er fans were obviously wanting to attend the game and possibly try to pull off an upset. You know, compared to the Broncos game where people weren't really sure how they're feeling about it, the 49ers kind of in general, and obviously at the way the season's been going. But, uh, yeah, I could obviously see yesterday, you know, it's a good old-fashioned rivalry game, even though obviously our season hasn't gone the way uh, we were kind of hoping for it to be. But once again, five years too damn late, and uh, it was kind of good to possibly put a dagger halfway into the playoff hopes as well. But we'll see about that one. Yeah, yeah, it's very – look, they got to play Kansas City next week. Uh, I don't know yeah, who they're so you know now. They're coming off a loss. Yeah, and they're finishing exactly. at the Cardinals, but but they they owe the tiebreaker over the over the Panthers who are playing tonight on Monday night, depending on how they go. Yeah. Um, you know, Eagles are still in the hunt. Vikings right now have the top ball card because they have to tie. Um, they're seven six and one, and obviously the Seahawks beat them, but uh, they'll probably yeah, still yeah. wind up sneaking in at nine and seven. But still, you never know. You know, maybe the Cardinals are like, screw it, let's go ahead and get one. You know, to finish the year. Mm-hmm. Also, and also look at the fact that um, if you look at the fact of uh, that, you know, uh, is this their second game they lost in a row or third? Uh, or no, 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 no
But, um, the point about it yesterday is that yesterday was the game. I felt yesterday's game was the game for the real fan. And when I say the real fan, I, I, I'm talking about not that people who want a first overall pick aren't real fans. You know, I, I can yeah. really honestly understand where they're coming from. You want your team to get the best player available. Yeah. Like, I, I can. Yeah, I, like, I'm not about it. I ain't going front. I mean, pretty much what I would say easily for the last three, four weeks, the show's pretty much been like, hey, y'all, let's push through this and wait for Bosa. I mean, that's pretty much what we've been pretty much saying the last three weeks. Yeah. Well, so, always half full. So, 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 I mean, the thing about it is, is I think so much of of the Seacocks game is mental. Uh, uh, Dennis Brown, who was a defensive lineman uh, our last Super Bowl year. Um, he, he played for the team beyond that, but he was on the, the 94 championship team. Had equivalented to Dallas. Had equivalented to Dallas. Obviously, you know, the stakes weren't as high as they were with the, the Cry Girls in the early 90s. But, you know, that team that you just can't seem to get over the hump. You know, mm-hmm. psychologically, it's and, and I mean, even even though I wasn't in my seat for the uh, for the the you know player introductions and all that, I, I was walking up and I was watching it on the scoreboard, and you could it, it, it was funny like you could even tell when the players were running out of the tunnel they were fired up. Oh, you, yeah. know? you know. Obviously, I'm sure it has to do with that. You know, I'm sure half of the damn. I would say honestly, they did it more for Sherman than they did it for the Four Niners organization. Not to literally, you know, not, not to play devil's advocate or whatever. I mean, I don't think there's anything kind of wrong with that. You know, once again, the way the season's been going, you know, they want to get one for them. I know, obviously, the Four Niners, but too, I would, I would just like to say, I think it was a little more so about doing it for Sherman. You know, it's like it's like doing it for your friend more so than your friend's team. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I mean, to me, to me, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would really say win one for sure. Sure. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say that if, if, if you put a lie detector to every, at least every defensive player, you know, and I I could almost see uh, uh, the defense saying, Hey, let's win this, win this for sure. And the offense saying, let's bring that up. 100%. You know, this one is for Joe and, and Garrett Selich. But also, see, what doesn't get talked about today, or I mean, wasn't talked about yesterday by a lot of people, is everybody wants to point out, yeah, oh, well, how many players are really left in the NFC Championship game? Well, that's not when this rivalry started. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, it's, it's not when it started. You know, I mean, you could go back to, at least as far as I'm pretty sure they view it, you could probably go back to the T.O. Sharpie. You know, to what to a two oh sharpie? Oh, shit. you're about to go. I was about to say, all right, maybe 210, 210. I'm sorry, you know, that's when Pete Carroll and Arona kind of kicked off before uh, we exactly. turned the corner, pre Harbaugh. But yeah, you can take you know, the I like that. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of just point to maybe not like earth shattering, you know, this is what built this rivalry play, but little things to and every player personally. Will tell you beyond certain certain circumstances, i.e., like us and the Cry Girls and Packers in the '90s, where you're consistently playing the same team over and over, and even even those couple years with Cap, you know, minus 
those type of circumstances, your players will tell you the teams that they hate the worst are in the division. And to me, yeah. let's forget. So, so the last time, for anybody who doesn't know, which I'm pretty sure we all know, the last time we beat the Seahawks was the last year at Candlestick, the last time we played them at Candlestick, which was in 2013. So that is the 2014, 15, 16, and 17, and 18, even though it's, we're not going to really count the 18. Draft class, mind you, how many of those players are still on, but that, that's literally players that have never beat the Seacocks in their whole career. DeForest Buckner has never beat yeah. the Seacocks before yesterday. Eric Armstrong. I think it was only uh, Jared Selig, right? Jared Selig was only it's only left over. Joe Staley. So there you go. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mess that shit. And some of those, like Jaquaski's heart, Jimmy Ward, obviously they didn't play yesterday. But you know, Kyle Shanahan yeah. even mentioned, look, Kyle Shanahan even mentioned, look, you know, yeah, you know, we all weren't here for all these years, but they swept us last year too. You know, yep. and. I think what it is, 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 is it almost a mental hurdle, uh, almost just like we can beat these. You saw Defoe, how, how he really, like, celebrated those sacks yesterday, obviously because he got 10 and 11 sack, which I think they might take the 11th one back. To me, it looked like Wilson got to the line of scrimmage, but it was diagonal on the opposite side of the field for me, so I didn't exactly see whether he got to the last the, the, on the last sack that that Defoe had, I didn't quite see if he got to the line of scrimmage or not. But for all intents and purposes, let's just call it a sack. But uh, you know, how many times have you seen DeForest millimeters away from having a sack on Russell Wilson, only to have Russell Wilson escape and throw a touchdown? Well, yeah, I mean, shit, it's been a story of our lives. The last fucking sorry, whoops. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, yeah, going back to 2011, it seems like. Oh, I'm sorry, 2012. That's when Russell Wilson was shot. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. But even going back to 2011, 2011 is the last time we beat the Seahawks in Seattle. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that to us long-term Niner fans, you know, this meant something. Because, honestly, I was just sick and tired of hearing this shit. I just really was. I was sick and tired of seeing the Sherman, the the, the, uh, the Sherman, you know, play over Crabtree in the NFC Championship game. I was sick and tired of seeing the fucking hit on, from County Counselor on Vernon Davis. I was sick and tired of fucking seeing that stupid meme with Jim Carrey from when he's Bruce Almighty. How many times did the Niners beat the Seagulls? Or the Seagulls beat the Niners? I was just sick and tired of all that shit. And can we be honest? Remember, you brought up the mental hurdle aspect, and sorry to cut you off there. Let's tip our hats a little bit to Pete Carroll. Like, I know nobody really wants to say that, but he always has the – he has the Seahawks always fired up to play. And once again, nobody yeah, thought that the Seahawks would even be in the position they're at right now. You know, they come out, they bring it, especially defensively. And, uh, you know, hey, kudos to them. you got you got to pay a little respect when you do. I respect what he did. I mean, I mean, you know, we've been doing the show for a minute, Adam, and and, and you know, I I thought that the Seacocks were going to be on a downturn. I thought it was going to be us and and, and the M for the division. We all did. There was, we were talking about the top five pick for them before I the year started. I thought there was no way they were losing Sherman and, and Cam Chancellor, and you know, my, they've already lost Michael, Michael Bennett. Bennett. You know, yeah, Earl Thomas um, was holding out, yada yada. It was not looking good. It was even a question of whether Earl Thomas was even going to play for them. 
you know, Bobby. And looking back, he probably shouldn't have, right? He probably shouldn't have. He really shouldn't have, but. Broke his leg, no guaranteed money. No guaranteed money, but, you know, uh, I think that, 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 and I looked at Ian Williams. uh, For, well, I I almost, I forgot that the, the, the listeners weren't privy to our conversation before the show started. Or before I brought you on air, I, I, I was talking to Ian Williams yesterday, and um, it was really, really cool to talk to him and see the motivation that he had to, to, to you know, for us playing them because of what happened. And um, you know, it was, it was, it was. I have to say that I'm going to get an Ian Williams jersey because there was the Sheacock fan who asked to take a picture with him, and he looked at her and said, Psh, "Not with that on." And I said, oh, Ian, I was in New Jersey just to say that. So Ian Williams is like my new undercover favorite Niner. Like, I mean, the shit, the nobody Seahawks literally him. ended his career. Literally. Yeah, it, it did. I, I looked at Ian Williams and I, I honestly looked him in his eyes and I said, I, w- I felt that you were getting ready to, to bust out. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was. And I said, everybody yeah, wants to talk was. about 2015. Everybody wants to talk about what happened in 2015, right? You know, the retirement of Patrick Willis, blah, 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 blah. Well, you, I'm not yeah. just throwing this out there because we don't know. But maybe Ian Williams was ready to take Isaac Sopawaga's place or Justin Smith's oh, place. He definitely was. He definitely emerged. I mean, he was looking damn good as a nose. Obviously, at the time, we were still running the 3-4. You know, we had some yeah. great luck, you know, going back to our brother Franklin and Sopo. You know, Ian Williams was the next guy. After Glenn Dorsey. I'm sorry. Glenn Dorsey gave us a few good years, too. I think what hurt the Niners, and I feel that we're a lot different team. The two things that was Ian Williams, because a lot was dependent on him, and Chris Borland. Chris Borland retiring, I really think, is what what really shook the Niners. I really do, because he was obviously – I mean, we went from – remember the talks at the time? I was thinking, like, man, like, I hate to say it, I was thinking about trading Patrick Willis if Borland came on the scene. You know, and then we went yeah. from talking about that to both retiring in the same damn offseason. I was like, you know, that yeah, exactly. every day, obviously. Because with Patrick Willis, it was sad because it was like, oh, Patrick Willis, like he'll never get his championship. It, it was emotional, you know, because Patrick Willis was, I think to us, our generation of Niner fans, Patrick Willis would probably be the equivalent of Ronnie Lott. You know, that that yeah. that defensive player – that was around when we were garbage and kind of, you know, was around, but, but was still a force and, and still somebody that we could point to and say, hey, that's a good – you, you know, he was our heart and oh, soul, sure. our defense, and was around. Oh, yeah. And it was – we all kind of had that feeling before he retired. We all still kind of had that feeling that, that we were going to compete for championship. And, you know, Patrick Woods was, was the core of that. And, when we, you know – but I wasn't tripping because I was thinking, oh, well, Chris Borland is going to take his place. And actually, I think that if you put a gun to Patrick Willis' head, Patrick Willis probably did retire because Chris Borland. I probably figured, hey, right. you know what? Am I even going to get on the field next year? You know? I think it's more like, hey, like the, tor- the torch is kind of passed. I've had my run. You know, my body is kind of feeling mm-hmm. that way. I'm not going to be greedy. Like you said, he wasn't going to leave us like in a drought because obviously Chris Borland been there. Yeah, we know how that one works. But anyway, to get back to the, the 2018 diet. But um, so for those who don't know, we've dropped to fourth. And, and, and draft order it goes Arizona, 
the Raiders, the Jets, and us. And Jacksonville is right above. Jacksonville's fifth, right? Yep, yep. So go, yeah, yeah. Cards, Raiders, Jets, us, Jags. Um, We're tied with Jags with a four, with a, we both got four wins, I should say. Okay, so I don't want to get too too much in the draft. As far as. I wanted to throw in a, a name, and like I said, we're, I'm going to kind of lean on you for, for draft knowledge. But, yeah, but, um, I mean, if anyone wanted to, I put up earlier to the, the top five draft slots. I put all of the, the next two games for the top five teams in draft order right now, if anyone wants to check that out, at 49ers yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll get that out. Yeah. As a matter of fact, actually, you know what, let me say this right now, because I never really do this anymore, because I'm kind of just used to people always listening to the show. But um, I know actually, but matter of fact, let me go ahead and give a big shout out to my new friend, Maggie from upstate New York. Met her yesterday at the game. She comes out for, she's a season ticket holder. She's so she stays in Arizona during football season and comes out here to every game. So I, I handed her a business card. She said that she'd be listening to the show. So thank you so much, Maggie, for listening to the show. Uh, mad love to, all the faithful on the East Coast. We, we, we really appreciate – I know the Niners appreciate all the support that they get when they come out, you know, to the East Coast. We'll, we'll see y'all next year. We'll be going out to, to probably New York next year. But um, so I was going to start out – Next year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going um, – it's, it's the NFC North and the NFC East that we play – uh, the last the same place division team that we played last year. So I believe it's the NFC North that we're going to play at home and the NFC East that we'll play on the road, which I believe, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, would be the, the – we would play the Lions at home again and then we would travel to New York. If, unless I'm mistaken. Unless I'm mistaken. But I know – because I know that we play the NFC North I know that Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are coming here, and then we go to Cincinnati and Baltimore, and then we play the NFC South. We're going to New Orleans and to New Orleans to Carolina, and then yeah, that leaves the, NF- the two NFC teams. So. I'm in the middle of a podcast, bro. Yeah, go ahead. Anyway, so, um, my bad, y'all. So, it's all good. Uh, no, somebody, somebody just fucking opened the door. Fucking pulled me too Anyway, so, uh, Greedy Williams, what would you think? Because I, I think that we could pretty much. Are we much, talking Greedy Williams right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to keep getting distracted. So, I was thinking that, that pretty much from what I, I'm taking, is even it'll probably I'm guessing it'll be pretty hard to get to to first overall. I think we could slip to maybe third or second, you know. Yeah. And yeah, you just don't know what's gonna so, happen. To me, I, I think the because the big shock, the big the big hurt is I remember, um, I remember when it was uh, Reggie Bush. It was the Bush Bowl. I remember we played the Titans, and that was supposed to you know. The team that lost was going to get Reggie Bush. 
and and we, I think we ended up that game, or or ended up losing the first overall pick over that game, and everybody freaked out because all of a sudden the Niners were going to be garbage for another 15 years because we didn't. And, and that's kind of the feeling I seem to be getting from the faithful that are really tripping about you know the draft is oh my God we just lost out on Nick Bosa, whoever we get is going to be a total bust and total garbage. Oh my God, oh. like. I mean, you know it's, a, it's a case of wanting your cake and eating it, too. You know, if, if anybody doesn't really understand the saying, the saying, I didn't even know about this until like a year ago, is you, you can't have both because as soon as you eat the cake, and obviously it's gone. You know what I mean? Unless you're going to take a picture of it and just hold on to it like that. But you can't have both. I mean, the, the way I look at it is, is look, it, it's, you know, they say a team needs to learn how to win. And I think what you saw over the from this year to last year, minus the Jimmy G. Cool game, was a team that was struggling to learn how to win. Like last year, we do not win this. Game. Last year, we do not win. Yesterday, we find a way to lose that game. Can we both agree on that? I believe we won that game last year before Jimmy G. Cool game. Oh, I believe. Yeah, we would have lost that game last year. And so, what did you see yesterday? You now, I'm not saying this. You know, we've all been there before. We went five and a, I'm not by, but maybe, just maybe, they're starting to figure it out. Just maybe, maybe I getting the. Uh, I think Jan George's uh, brother's passing had a little something to do with the dynamic of the team. Of you know, once again, like if your friend or someone like that is going through stuff, if you're fired up to kind of like elevate their status, you know, and obviously he represents the Fort Niners organization, excuse me. And uh, I think part of that was wanting to go out a little bit of like, hey, let's kind of put a dagger in these like possible playoff teams' as hopes. Like, you know, we're as good as them, if not better. And obviously we got two W's against playoff caliber teams. Yeah, the Broncos were officially eliminated, but we played a role in that. Um, you know, I think it was kind of those two dynamics of, you know, a tragedy happening. And going out there, you know, with nothing to lose and say, you know what, once again, Nick Mullins playing for possibly his career a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. Right? Am I wrong? It, it, it was yesterday. I don't know if you got to to watch uh, the, the post-game uh, press conferences. But Richard Sherman, uh, he was talking about how, you know, Nick's, like, you know, Nick's proving himself, like, you know, that he, he he was like, look, I feel that Nick's proven that he's starring in the league. And then a, a reporter had brought up, a reporter kind of commented and said, oh, bring up his trade value, huh? And and Sherman's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking But kind of joking, like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Why would we yeah, trade a quarterback? Wink, 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 you know. And so, you know, me personally, uh <laughs> I'll put that on the back burner for a second, but, but but my whole point about it is is that you know yesterday. First of all, let's give a shout out to Solomon Thomas for those three uh, holding calls he drawed. Because let's 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 be realistic. If Solomon Thomas doesn't draw that holding call on that on that uh, that play in overtime, they're, they're only driving overtime. Solomon Thomas doesn't get a a holding call. They win that game. It was that holding oh, really? call. That was brought us. That that was Solomon Thomas was held, right? Which 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 brought the play back. We 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 stopped him again when, on third down, and then they punted the ball, and you know the rest is history. 
So I, I think that what you're starting to see is you may not start to see like statistics, quote unquote, but you're starting to see players affect the game. So did Solomon Thomas have four things yesterday? No. But does that mean that those three holding holding that, that, that those three holding penalties he drew, that was just as important if he would have got three sacks. We, we, we just mostly agreed if he didn't call it, if he didn't draw that last holding penalty, we don't win the game. That that holding penalty literally saved the game. Yeah. And so and sometimes that's when you say honestly, stats are great, especially win or lose. You know, you can take some good from it or whatnot. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just great to see him get a little recognition. And obviously, you can tell Richard Sherman went out of his way to do so. Because let's be honest, I mean, once again, yes, the four Niners people are dying to win, whatever, and over shit on Solomon Thomas because quote unquote number three overall pick, number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, a lot of the times, you know, the guys, the separation between the guy that went number three overall and possibly 17 overall, you know, could be very small, but you're like, oh, this is the guy I'm rolling with. So, uh, I've been knowing he's disruptive. You can tell, like, week by week, you know, just, just closing the gap or whatever. And uh, all i got to say, the last few years, TJ, you probably would agree, we're ironing out and getting out all those little kinks and, you know, the bullshit like that to, once again, be all in for next year, in my opinion. That's and, really, I think that that – it's the tragedy that Solomon Thomas went through with his sister. Now I'm a big I'm a big proponent of suck it up. Now I, I okay I shouldn't say it like that because that makes me seem kind of hard. Like I understand that is a big deal, like losing your sister. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but uh... very very close to. But I'm a proponent of, of. But what I look at is I've said this the day that we drafted him, and I'll probably say this until the day he retires. Solomon Thomas is not the third overall pick. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good player. You know, it, I, mean, it, I think so many people... I mean, that's, that's your projection, and obviously you're more, you're more than entitled to it. Oh, I got I to gotta throw it out there. You know, people like Gerald McCoy of the Bucks and good old boy Justin Smith, you know, they didn't start flourishing until like their year threes and fours, you know, before they became, you know, not anybody's Aaron yeah. Donald, like really just kind of just breaking out and seeing the rookie year. Exactly. Well, I, I was just going to say, but, you know, that doesn't mean he can't be a great player. And A, look at Eric Armstead. Look at Eric. Yeah. Look, I've been on Eric Armstead as a bus train my whole life. But you know what? I would I would dare to say anybody that watched you know as much Niner football as we have, especially during his career, would say that this is the best year Eric Armstead had. Also, oh. this is the first this is the first year of his career that he hasn't missed any games. Coincidence? Experience being healthy, being put at a position where it's more natural for him at the left end spot. You know, obviously mm-hmm. nickel on the inside, but yeah. Experience in the scheme, you know, all those things go a long way. People just think you start clicking on all cylinders, you know, by week eight. But you've noticed two defenses have obviously stepped up, you know, now that it's in December, you know, with all the regulations and the rules and stuff, I bring it up that, you know, it's time to start clicking, especially for the defenses. They've got to play catch up with the offense. Exactly. And I mean, the thing that that is, I want to get to also the, this point. Uh, something about Robert Sala real quick. But also, I think that what you're starting to see is, is, is I think that people 
don't underestimate, or I think people underestimate camaraderie. And what I'm talking about camaraderie is is uh, Philip Rivers. There was a video of Philip Rivers who was speaking with, um, it was NC State that he went to, right? It was his alma mater, I believe, NC State. And he, was talking about, and he was talking about brotherhood and how if you're on the offensive line and you know that your your brother, you know, you're a right, a right guard and you know that your brother, the right, uh, right tackle, is having an extra trouble getting to his shade. You might you might just, just put that little, you know, that little bit more effort. You know, you know the people around you's weaknesses. You know, and, yeah. and you play you want to step, you step up to the guy next step up further, you know, because you just have to. And I think sometimes people are used to Madden, and this ain't Madden, these are human beings. And so I bet you if you listen to our first show, it probably sounds a lot, uh, not as great as it does now. And why is that? Because that was the first time we had ever had a conversation together. But guess what? Now that we've been working for a while, the show has a lot more flow to it because, you know, we know how to bounce each other's ideas off. and You know when to cut me off when I'm going into a rant. You know what I'm saying? We know each other. Same it's thing continuity. So continuity. We have continuity together. And we're probably going to sound better next year than we did this year because of continuity. Right? So. Sure. Real quick, to get on Stala is uh, did, did you see the trip where he tripped over? Oh Lisa? yeah, almost tearing his ACL. I tweeted that out, and uh, yeah, it was, it was it was great to see him. Like literally, the dude, I got scared for a second. You know, you clench your face, you're like, oh. I, I actually really did too. Because I seen it live. Uh, I seen it live, and I looked, and then like everybody, like everybody kind of jumped up real quick at my little section. And then, you know, when he got up, everybody was like, okay, okay. And I think they showed it on the – they didn't show him falling on the scoreboard, but they showed the play, and it happened to show him falling. Yeah. And he was the but do you feel that he's done enough to save his job? I, I tweeted that out earlier. I said, do you think his performances the last couple of weeks, the defense is his performances because – Let's bring this up again. You know, he, the defense has been put in, obviously, pretty damn hard situations, obviously, with all the damn injuries and rotating doors. But, you know, leading the league – I'm sorry, we don't lead the league in offense anymore on turnovers, but we're, like, top five on offense. Um, I think with his performances the last – the defense's performance the last couple of weeks, I do think – I do think – I wouldn't say he saves his job because, you know, perhaps it was, like, a, maybe a 50-50 for Shanahan. Like, hey, let's just see how we close the season. But uh, at the end of the day, if you put a gun in my head, I think it's yes. What about you? Uh, I think yes, because um, I forget the writer, but he had written an article about how if Shanahan or Rich, let's just say Shanahan because he's head coach, um, and we'll, we'll assume that he's in charge of his coaching staff, decide, decides to let Sala go. Well, that would essentially go against everything that they preached since the day they took over. They preached patience and, you know, we're going to get this right. It's going to take time. And so I think that – That goes for somebody like Salah, too, wouldn't you agree, as far as taking time? Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought about it. You know, being under Quinn and Carroll – he actually reminded me of Pete Carroll a lot yesterday, younger Pete Carroll. 
Um, yeah. Like in terms of like how fired up he gets and how contagious that is, you know. We saw it even last year when we were being down, you know, he gets so fired up, you know, he just it's just enough to keep the defense going and motivated. And uh, I think in a future mold that does take time, yeah. you know. He's uh, he's coming along. What did you say? Uh, yeah, I love his energy and his fire and his passion. I don't I, – I, I believe that Robert Sala walks in the office every day ready to run through a brick wall. You know, I, I believe that – because they, you know what they always say. You know what they always say. Teams take, teams take on personalities of their coach, right? So Robert Sala, Robert Sala reminds me of a very high energy guy, almost like Harbaugh in a way. Not so much Harbaugh right. with more in your face, but almost like a very you know like attacking enthusiasm of unknown to mankind. You know Robert Sala is all gas, no brakes. You know, yeah. And, it's and, like Harbaugh and Terrell had a baby, and there was young a young Harbaugh and exactly. Terrell baby. <laughs> exactly, and so I think that that's that's. That, that you know, that's not a problem. You want your defense all gas, no breaks. No. You know, and so I think what to me saves his job with A back. You know, it's kind of hard to to prove patience and then you know fire somebody after year two. Um, also, I believe that let's not let's not over underestimate the the effect that Jimmy losing Jimmy G cool had on the defense. The defense has been on the field more. Like, it's just, sure. you know, everybody wants to talk about how the offense looked a lot better during this last five-game winning streak. Well, the defense looked a lot better, too. And you want to know why probably the defense looked a lot better? Because they were probably Those on the field a lot. You know, the, the, field, the field is not bad. And so I think what, to me, saved his job and why I'm comfortable with saying, okay, if they want to bring somebody else in because they have more experience or or something like that, I'm not against right. it. You know, it, it, right. if, if, like, if Dan Quinn becomes available, you know. Uh, the say, Falcons won yesterday, unfortunately, because, yeah, we've been talking about him. You know, uh, Dan Quinn gets fired, calls up Kyle Shanahan and says, hey, you know, can you do a brother a favor? You know, I'm not a yep. – look, would you rather have Dan Quinn or Robert Sala? Sorry, sorry, Robert Sala. But, you know, we'll go ahead and have Dan Quinn. You feel me? That's nothing personal against Robert Sala. It's just sometimes it's not what there you think. There was an upgrade there, you know. Yeah, it's a business, <laughs> a little bit, right? Exactly. It's like – it's almost like, you know, it's not that the Niners didn't like Daniel Kilgore. It's not that Daniel Kilgore wasn't a good player. It's just Western Richburg was an upgrade. You feel me? Exactly. It's exactly. not just all the bad coach. It's just Robert Quinn would be an upgrade. But me personally, one of the reasons I feel better about him keeping his job is I'm not seeing the same issues. I'm not seeing miscommunication. I'm not seeing anything that I feel is a repetitive coaching issue. Because if the same things happen, like a missed tackle is going to happen. Like, um, you know, I remember a play where I distinctly was watching watching Marcel Harris yesterday, and he bit too he bit way too hard on the play fake, and I believe Seattle got I want to say maybe even a touchdown off of it, but he just bit way too hard on a play fake. 
That to right. me is is a, is a player issue. That's a rookie mistake. Okay, fine. But if that just, keeps just on happening, you know, just in terms of lost season, once again, you're you're able to pull, gamble a little more when you're quote unquote playing with house money. Check this out. What I thought about yesterday compared to what we came yeah. out with in week one, we had like five new starters on the defense. Exum, Harris, uh, DJ Jones, Elijah Lee, and mm-hmm. there's more. Am I missing anybody else? But that's five five new starters compared to the defense that got shot out in week one. DJ Reed. DJ Reed? Well, perfect. I, well, well, that's good. Yeah. Technically six, six out of 11. More than half. Yeah. Real quick, quick interesting tidbit. Quick interesting tidbit. We are 4-0 and with Elijah Lee in the lineup. And I was watching him yesterday. There was a, I was in the 200s. If you ever go to Levi Stadium, and I, I know you're like me, Adam, you kind of want to watch the play develop and, and things like that. The 200s, the most perfect view. You could just see the play open up in front of you. I mean, it, it's basically like you're watching the coaching film, essentially. Right. Well, all 22 kind of vision. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing. The view from the 200s. I mean, I was sitting in one of the end zones, so I was in 228. So I mean, do you bring binoculars with you when you're sitting a little further up? I'm sorry. Do you bring binoculars with you when you're sitting a little further up to uh, get like closer views at times? No, no, no. Uh, when you're in the the 100s, it's fine. It, it's just more. You're almost when you're in the 100s, you're almost too low. And, and it's almost like you're standing on the field. You see what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah, I, I've never been to Levi's, to be completely honest. Never been. It's, I mean, essentially, it's, it's pretty much like almost any end zone. You're pretty much essentially, you know, I mean, you're a little bit up, but you're essentially like you're standing on the field, which is cool because gotcha. it's a, a cool perspective, but sucks for watching plays develop and seeing where the linebackers are. You're essentially, you know, staring at pretty much. Oh, he's going to have a little of a bird's eye view. You know, you want to see the whole field. For one half, you're essentially staring at an offensive player's ass. Because if if the action's going away from you, you're staring behind everything. Now, when the action's going towards you, it's pretty cool. You know, it's actually a really dope perspective. But, yeah, you get on the 200. You don't need binoculars, nothing. I mean, it's perfect. And so I I love Marcel Harris. But, but, But to me, like I was saying is, if that happens again and again and again and again and again, oh, okay, sure. it's no longer a Harris issue, it's a coaching issue. Because they're either not reaching him or they're keeping him on the field when he clearly shouldn't be. That's a coaching issue. Um, to get sure. back to Elijah Lee, I know everybody is, is thinking we need a Sam. I know that's a, bi- a big position that everybody's kind of yeah, brought he, up. He's possibly playing low-key for his career a little bit right now, taking advantage of the opportunity after the Fox situation, and, you know, Matt Smith possibly going to get the boot to Fox, depending on how crazy he goes. Exactly. Yeah, 10 tackles yeah, yesterday, nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a Sam linebacker expert. I, I tend to, and I'm not going to pretend like I watched every single one of his plays or I know exactly what he's supposed to be doing. For all I know, he he could have just been lucky and happened to be in the right. He fucked up and just happened to kind of like the um, Denzel Ward uh, busted blitz at the end of the game, you know, against uh, San Diego. We're or, sorry, LA, the Chargers. 
where he kind of, uh, it, it was a, he wasn't supposed to come on a blitz, but it just so happened to work out to his benefit. You know, it, right. it, it could have been like that play, but it seems almost every time I said, okay, let me focus on number 47. It seemed like he was around the football making a play. Or, or yep. if he wasn't directly involved in the play, he was going to be there to affect you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm a, I'm not going to say that we're four and zero just because of him, but you know four and zero. I'm not saying that he should be our starter. We're set at Sam Backer or anything like that, but I think that's something that needs to be looked into a little bit more. You know, I, I'm, I mean, not, uh, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm saying yeah. that you know. We'll see how the next two games go. So he's averaged seven tackles <laughs> the last three weeks. You know, ten ten yesterday. Uh, definitely something good to uh, to try to build off of. And uh, he has an opportunity to possibly assert himself as a push starter going to next offseason. I think uh, he's pretty much goal, left at that. Really. My goal this offseason is I don't want to go into any position, any position. Excuse me. Any position on the field saying that we're set at this position except tight end, and even at, even at tight end, like we know who our starter is going to be. And look, I was I was doing the selling time yesterday and going psycho when he caught a touchdown. But let's be very clear: uh, Garrick Selick had a, a subpar season. Garrick Selick's probably playing his last season as a Niner. Oh yeah, I I would think so if if they feel that there's an upgrade available via free agency or draft. So there's no position. We might be set on starters. Like, we know George Kittle's going to be our starter. We know Jimmy G. Cool is going to be our starter. But I don't want to say we're set at any position. We're not set at any position. You know, I want to bring in competition. That's that's always the goal, you know, going into the draft. You want to have, you know, you want to bring in as much competition as possible, as much push starters as possible. So when you go in the draft, you don't have any quote-unquote dire needs, or if you do, you're hoping it's only one or two or something like that, and the rest is just kind of go best player available on it. And also, I think what we realized this year is that, look, as much as you say, hey, this player isn't going to play this year, they might play. You feel me? So, right. I want to go into every position thinking any any person that's up on that 53-man roster and eight-man practice squad, I, I want them to be viewed as they're going to play some time this year. And they, if they don't, fine. But I want us to be prepared for everybody to get playing time this year. Or I'm, I'm sorry, next year. So uh, before we get out of here, Adam, um, I, I was going to go ahead and then uh, do my, my, my game balls real quick and then or my George Kittle Player of the Week award winners, uh, and then I'll, I'll go ahead and do yours. I was going to do a uh, big shout-out, Solomon Thomas. Uh, three, yeah, eight. Love it. Not a crazy game, statistically, but as we discussed before, drawing those three holding penalties, I mean, it, it was like he had three sacks. I mean, they had just a, a loss of 10 yards is a loss of 10 yards. And then offensively, I'm going to give it to Jeff Wilson. I think that that, right. that I, there was quite a few swear words that came out of my mouth when um, he 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 lost the football, and even Kyle Shanahan admitted that they didn't want to give him the ball in overtime. That the only reason he was on the field was because Matt Breida got hurt. Right. But you know, 
Life is all about redemption. Um, yep. Life is about redemption. And what do you do with your second chance? Which is really, this is his third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh chance. But what do you do with your second chance? He could have easily let that right. get in his head and copped up the ball again. But he came out in overtime. He shunned. And he was a big reason why we won the game. So oh, yeah, I mean, I uh, big run. Solomon Thomas and Jeff Wilson. Uh, that, that's mine. I like those picks. And I was going to say about Solomon Thomas, like sometimes it literally, you know, you, this might be the time where we look back and we're like, hey, remember that Remember that game with Solomon Thomas against Seattle when we finally beat him, where he kind of seemed to put his, like, a further, you know, foot, you know, a little little forward compared to the other one and just kind of emerged a little bit and had that game. Hopefully it's one of those where we look back and I was like, that was the game that Solomon Thomas ended up emerging. So I love that. Uh, great picks. I'm going to go offensively, Nick Mullins. 20 for 29, 275 yards. It's had over 1,000 in his last, like, four games. Great game. Great yeah. game all around. And then defense, you know, I was going to go with Bucks. You know, uh, seven tackles and two sacks. He said might, one might get called back. We'll see how that goes. I'm going to give it to Elijah Lee. Um, shoot, this is that one that I'm looking at. I read somewhere earlier that he had 10 tackles, but this Google one that I'm looking at shows seven. So, uh, possible error somewhere. But, hey, stepped up, starting at the will spot for Malcolm Smith. Um, who ended up going back to the will spot compared to playing Sam after Foster's whole ordeal BS. And uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with the second-year guy out of Kansas State. I want to go um, – really want to give out uh, also a little honorable mention uh, to Richie James. I think – You know what? I'll take it back. I'm going to do it to Marius Moore, and uh, I love the Richie James. Okay. Uh, oh, so, dude, I was hoping that you were going to take Richie Jay. That's why I didn't take him. I was hoping you were going to take Richie Jay. Um, because, like I said, At first kickoff returns to Ted Gann in, like, 2011. Same situation with – yeah, 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 I'm going to leave it right now. Uh, same situation with uh, uh, Jeff Wilson. Uh, you know, redemption. I mean, uh, it's no secret – which also is a little bit of an interesting tidbit. Um, last time we had a kickoff returned against Seattle was um, – or last time we had a kickoff return for a touchdown was against Seattle, Harbaugh's first year, the game that Ted um, Gantt took it, uh, a touchdown and a punt return uh, back to the house. But that, I thought that was a little interesting. September 11th of, of 2011. Yeah. I remember it was the uh, 10-year anniversary of 9-11. That's actually the day I found out I was going to have my son. But anyway, um, but nice. I love it. Um, Tavarius Moore, I think that uh, let's, let's give him props. I think what we're starting to see with our young players is they're coming with an energy and an enthusiasm because you know what? They're just excited to play football. They don't care that we're two and ten. You know, they don't care that we're four and ten. You know, some of these you gotta realize it's been almost a year since some of these players have even played football. You know, and so they're just excited to get back on a football field. And I think that try to capitalize on opportunities, in my opinion. There you go. There you go. Because I think that what you're seeing is I think what, what you're seeing. Is Kyle Shanahan showing that he's a man of his word when he really says, like, look, 
you know, you saw Adrian Colbert essentially got the starting free safety job last year after he played with these these five games. Jobs are available here now for this football team. There are jobs available. Yep. Um, we look no further than possibly uh, Nick Mullins taking over for C.J. Beckler. You know, I mean, yep. that's, that's, that's ultimate jobs are available. You know, a, Nick Mullins wasn't even a discussion as the backup. <laughs> like, even after the, 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 the Cowboys game in the preseason, you know, Shanahan was like, no, CJ's our backup. And so, right. uh, real quick before I let you go, I just wanted to get one more uh, question into you. Um, yeah. If, obviously, we're not going to keep three quarterbacks. Um, right. Neither one's going to make it through waivers. I, I, I honestly, unless – I see no way that um, Nick Mullins, after the way he's played the last couple of weeks, I see no way that he makes it through waivers. And no, hell no. Are you I kidding see, me? I, I see no way that – and C.J. Beathard just has too much pedigree and measurables. You know, uh, he, he with, with his grand, who his grandfather is, he comes from a football background. He's 6'3", 215, got a strong arm. There's just he's just too physically looks the part to get through waivers. Yeah, and he's trying to go. You know, he went on downslope, but you know. So, so, so basically, the question I have is, let's just say they're truly even. You know, going into next year, they have a competition. Do you right. keep? Do you keep Nick or CJ? Or or basically, do you keep? Who has like basically you keep the let, let's say Nick has a uh, a third round draft somebody the the Jets call you up and say we'll give you a third rounder for Nick Mullins okay go ahead go ahead all right appreciate that I'm sorry about that um I was just about yeah. to say probably not the Jets sorry not something to know at all we have Sam Darnold but I was just thinking no. you know what it might come down to TJ. Yeah. It might come down to is the juice worth the squeeze on a possible trade? So, like, you can go out a third rounder. Does Kyle Shanahan see a third round pick as the juice be worth the squeeze to pull the trigger? Now, in my head, mm-hmm. I think I think he would fit in well with the Giants and Pat Shermer, who runs kind of a West Coast offense philosophy. So, I think he'd be mm-hmm. able to do well there. They obviously got plenty of weapons. Um, I think, obviously, he'd be able to fit their system very well. And I could also see possibly the Jags. If they believe in, I was thinking maybe they fire Marone and get a bigger offensive-minded guy, even though Marone is technically supposed to be on himself. But once again, Jags are a talented team. I can see, you know, possibly Tom Coughlin and, you know, try to reach out to us once again. Is, is, do you think that the rounder is worth it? You know, with a third rounder? Third rounder for anything, anything lower, I probably don't do it. I don't, I don't do it for a fourth. Not, no way. Fourth or lower, I wouldn't do it. Third, I'd probably take the budget, you know, do it. And it'd be a high third, too. Yeah, see, a third rounder. See, this is my concern. This is this this is the the reason that I bring it up. Is this is my concern? Is is you know we're all kind of assuming Jim is going to come back perfectly fine, and I'm not saying that he's not. I'm not even. But let's just say he's not ready for September. Just for example, or or let's just say he goes out and heaven forbid gets re hurt. I don't want to see C.J. I've, I've watched C.J. Beathard for 10 games. I've watched Mick Mullen for what now? 
five. And so my, my concern my concern is is clearly from what I've seen, Nick Mullins is by far the better quarterback. Maybe not physically, but just by moxie, by the right stuff. I mean, he, yeah. it, it doesn't matter how it looks. The man just wins. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? You know, you, yeah. I'd rather have a quarterback throw for 100 yards but 5-0 and than a quarterback who's 0-5 but throws for 3,000. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm it's that's a so my ideal situation, my ideal situation is if, 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 if like you said, they said a third rounder and CJ's proven that he's going to make the steps that make me feel that the, the, the issues he's having, i.e. holding on the ball too long, things like that, that there's reason to believe that he's gotten better and will continue to get better. I pull that all day, every day. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but I mean, I third rounder for an undrafted quarterback. Give that to you all day, every day. If, if CJ can prove to me. What I say is, you know, being worried about Jimmy coming back from his torn ACL. The cool thing is, you get a little OTA time before the draft comes around. I think Jimmy will be ready for OTAs. Um, from carrying his ACL so early, kind of thank God for that. Um, the, you know, maybe the, maybe they get traded the, on, on, on draft night. The, the timetable I've heard is he's expected to be throwing around. May Juneish is expected to be throwing some on the field. Maybe that's May, like when he's like all the way fully cleared, kind of a thing. Um, I know Carson Wentz tore his ACL later in the year. He came back around like March, late late March, uh, early April. Um, he was throwing at, at OTAs. So, you know. so yeah, 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 basically OTAs. To me, is is I don't think this happens unless it's a. Unless it's a draft day trade, i.e., let's just say the Giants make that call on draft day and say, hey, we'll give you a third rounder for, for Nick Mullins, you know, da 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 You know, then – but I think what, what's going to happen is – and this scares me because of, you know, how late in the, in the process it's going to be. But I think that we're basically going to keep th- three quarterbacks until final cut. And it'll basically whoever wins the backup competition will be kept. And I think whoever loses the backup competition is going to be cut. Or I mean, I'll trade yeah, it. Because you're not going to chalk up. Sometimes you got to strike when the iron's hot, my friend. So it might be too little too yeah, late yeah, by that yeah. point, I think. Exactly. So, I mean, this is, this is the discussion, though. See, but isn't it nice to have these discussions, though? Think about it. it, wasn't, it, it at, at one point last year, we didn't even have any quarterbacks on our roster. I mean, at one point, right. the only quarterback in the roster was Brian Hoyer. I mean, isn't it nice right. to have kind of a, so the way I look at it is, is I agree with you. I agree that you got to strike when the iron's hot. And I trust Kyle Shanahan's ability to look at quarterbacks and see that, because this is my whole thing about it is, is to get to more of your point as well, Nick, is that, or Adam, I don't know why the fuck I called you Nick. The gets more to your problem, Adam, is is kind of maybe what we saw in Minnesota. You have a year to prepare. And so what I'm nervous about is we've seen Nick Mullins now, but have we seen Nick Mullins when defensive coordinators have a year to study film on him? You, you, you know what I'm saying? 
And so right. and, uh, you know, getting a little bit of film on him. absolutely pull the trigger this year. You know, you could be a guy you just you know develop him for another year. Maybe you trade him for two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, in a year. You know, um, so who knows? I, I really don't know. Obviously, the two next two games are going to be huge. It's just kind of a little interesting conversation piece, and I kind of wanted to get the listeners thinking. It's kind yeah, of like, um, and my whole thing about it is, and I think what people don't understand or um, aren't, aren't thinking about it is that even if we don't have the number overall, one over, you know, first overall pick or anything like that, it's not like the draft tomorrow. Things can happen. Right. You know, days can happen. Uh, you know, conversations can happen. Things can happen just because we're not first overall, you know, maybe it's the, the off season hasn't even begun, but this is all new. So, you know, the way I look at to the faithful is that being like, I'm pretty, I feel pretty safe saying we're going to have a top five pick. I feel pretty safe saying that. And so within the five, top five picks of the draft, I find it very, 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 very hard that we're not going to find some type of impact player on of a position of need. That whether that be corner, whether that be safety, whether that be edge rusher, whether that be, you know, Joe Staley's getting older, maybe a, a right tackle, you know, some glints you can move to left. I just – and so to me, this edge rusher is the sexy – sexy position this year because I kind of, we've all kind of been fed and kind of see that like, Ooh, what if we had an edge rusher, you know, things could be so much better, but you know, maybe if we get a lockdown corner, we don't need an edge rusher. Like, you know what I'm saying? You kind of. Yeah. And free agency is first, which is kind of cool. You know, you don't know. I feel that the win yesterday against the Sheacocks will pay dividends more than a crap shoot at a draft pick. That we don't even know if he's going to be available. Right. I mean, remember so, last year, you know, we were thirsty for that top pick, and then we won all those games. And thank God, things went in our favor. Cost, coin flip, cost. But uh, hey, Mike McGlinchey obviously is working pretty damn solid, and you know, right? Kind of been knowing Brought out. It's been no secret. Joe Staley even admitted that Mike McGlinchey's brought out a little bit of youth in Joe Staley. You know, Joe Staley's saying yeah, was a little extra perfect fit, and perfect fit for the offense. And honestly, a big reason why and the offense so, was off, even with all the injuries. And so, is Mike McGlinchey a first overall pick? No. You know, but does that mean he's a bad pick? No. So, just because he wasn't the first overall pick, you know, everybody's – George Kittle, he, the point is you could get players from any round. You know, you can get players from any round. At the end of the day, the only thing that your quote-unquote draft status means right away is how much money you're going to get paid, how long how long your contract is, and what expectations are placed on you. You know what I'm saying? That's all it means. It does not mean a damn yeah. thing. Once you get in between those white lines, whether you're a first-round first pick or, the you know, the first overall pick or Mr. Irrelevant, who's the last player taken, it all doesn't matter. Can you play or can't you? You know, once right. you get in between those white lines, it doesn't matter that you were taking first overall. Can you play? If you can, you're going to be around. If you can't, then there's the door. And so, you know, do we do we care that Joe Montana was the third a third round draft pick? No, nobody gives a damn that Joe Montana was the third draft pick, third round draft pick. 
you know, it, as all this, should we have failed that year, and should we have sucked to get the first overall pick that we could have drafted? Whatever, you know, just calm down. I think that that what you're seeing is the foundation being built, and like you, almost like you said, how we could look back on Solomon Thomas and say how you know, hey, you remember? Little did we know that's the beginning. Well, hey, little do we know this could be the beginning, you know. Right. And uh, just to, before I let you go, real quick, just also give props on Solomon Thomas. And I think a point that needs to be made is, is if he if he's getting held, that obviously means they couldn't beat him. Right. So, yeah, so what, what, what does that mean? Tell a complete story. You know, it's uh, being disruptive. So if, if you don't get the sack, but it obviously plays a role, right? Yeah, if you're getting held, that means that you're beating them consistently. Now, I will admit that as an offensive, old offensive and defensive lineman, uh, holding is just one of those things that you can call on every play. You know, you could theoretically call holding on every play because essentially what they do to teach you as an offensive lineman is to hold them. You know what I'm saying? And really pretty much what you're taught as a defensive lineman is to make sure that their hands don't hold you. But... Mm-hmm. I think what you're going to start to see is, 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 is like I said earlier, look for these young players to start to do plays. And the key word, especially with winning, is confidence. Is confidence. Because sure. you know what? Hey, it's one thing that you can do. The Bears this Sunday. I'll put it to you this way. I believe I could bench press 500 pounds. You know, I could believe it all I want. But until I physically get underneath that barbell and push up that 500 pounds, you know what I'm saying? You're never going to. And so I think that the, the dividends of playing confident and playing successful and thinking to yourself, hey, I can play in this league. I am good enough to be in the league. You know, that gives you a certain amount of cockiness because you'll never see a, you'll never see a Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Hall of Fame player that says, oh, well, well, I think I'm good enough. Uh, well, I hope I can win today. No, you're never going to do yeah. football. You have to have that mentality. And that's uh, well, one of my favorite quotes from Vince Lombardi that pretty much said that, like, the mentality has to be striving for perfection because at the end of the day, really, are you are you probably going to be perfect? Probably chances are you won't be perfect. But if you're always striving for it, even if you come up close, you probably still end up doing pretty damn good. Bill Walsh had a saying similar that said, um, if you strive for prote- protection, you might just, uh, uh, it's, it's, if you strive for prote- perfection, you might just achieve, you might just slip and achieve greatness. Basically, essentially yeah. what you're trying to say. And so, exactly. And I also think that, uh, and, and to me, I very much watched the locker room. And to me, that, um, you know, after I don't know if if you had a chance, but I'm go ahead. I'm telling you and, and the listeners, go back and watch uh, Kyle Shanahan's press uh, oh, yeah. uh, victory, uh, the locker room victory speech, his post game victory awesome. speech, and he says the quote that everybody knows by Bill Walsh, which is "Champions behave like champions before they're champions," and and, and he he lifts up the football and he says, "And champions also get victory Monday." And he goes, and championship football teams also get victory Monday. And the locker room just went nuts. And that's when Sherman's like, and, and to me, 
I think we, we both talked about how the Raiders quit that 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 against the Battle of the Bay and how the mm-hmm. Niners haven't quit all season. See how that locker room is. That locker room doesn't seem like a bunch of players who are, are, are packing their bags for Cancun. That doesn't seem like a bunch oh, yeah. of players who haven't bought into what, what the coach and GM and, and management is selling. That seems like some people who are fired up and believe in what, what's going on. And, you know, sure. they, they can sit there and they can tell us all they want at press conferences that they believe and the coaches are good. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when, when Ruben Foster came out and said, hey, look, CJ ain't no Rudy Poo. Well, what is he supposed to say? Oh, my God, our season's over. Jimmy uh, or CJ sucks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But watch, the, watch their, their actions and their vibes. And to me, the way that locker room acted, that, that seems like a locker room that's going some places. And so uh, that made me very happy, honestly. Like, well, once again, being pretty high key about being thirsty for a top two pick for the first overall pick. You know, it made me very happy to see that, hey, even though obviously we fell down a little bit, it was, it was, yeah. it was a lot bigger of the dynamic for the organization in itself. So that made it obviously a lot easier to swallow. And once again, five, four or five years, whatever, um, the last time being in Seattle, it was, uh, it was good to see. And, uh, exactly. and you know, like, people say, seeing Sherman happy made us, made us happy as well, you know, which is exactly. pretty ironic. Sherman came out and he said, hey, look, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of both streaks. He was a part of the streak that the, the, the start that he was part of the team that last lost to the Seacocks. And he was part of the team that, uh, or no, I'm sorry, the team that, that essentially beat them the next year, and and you know, and he was part of the the, the team that ended the streak. So I think that uh, good things are 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 definitely on the horizon. And uh, to all the faithful who are thinking about showing up to next week's game, come out because you know what, we have a chance to have a winning record at home. And I know that doesn't sound much, like much, and oh, five and three, and oh, no, but well, hey, guess what? You know, having a winning game at home that means something, because as much as much bullshit as Levi Stadium has gotten, that shows you that the team's starting to learn to win there. You For know, sure. and, and uh, you know, the Bears just clinched the division yesterday. So exactly. even if that one you lose, close, something. I, I, that's how I am. The rest, I got the I got the wins I wanted. Or once the season took the turn that it did, and it wasn't a play, clearly it wasn't a playoff season or whatever. I got the Battle of the Bay. We beat the Seahawks. You know what I'm saying? So I'm happy. You know, either way, I'm happy. Yeah. We we win the next two games and we're six and ten again. Cool, awesome. You know, we lose the next two, two games. Cool, we're gonna have a top you know three pick. Awesome. I mean, the way I'm looking at it is. Little things, you know, add up to big things. And, you know, it's going five and three at home. You know, maybe all of a sudden next year, we I think we were pretty close. That If you look at the – let's just say we go five and three. If you look at two of the three losses that we would have had at home, the Giants and Arizona, you can clearly say with Jarek McKinnon and, and, and Jimmy G. Cool, we win those games. All of a sudden, that was the Chargers game at home, or that was on the road. That was on the road. It was it was the Cardinals and the Giants are the two I'm counting at home. Those are the two we really should have won those games. And so all of a sudden, five and three record at home turns into seven and one. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, maybe you get two, three wins on the road, and all of a sudden you're a nine to ten win football. And it's it's literally that much, that much of a difference 
could be the difference between us sitting at eight and eight and six. You know, you, so those little margins, and it's confidence. It, 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 it's confidence to. I don't think it was uh, a secret that being the Jags next year, last year, you know, was a big deal. To me, I think that the, the, this Seahawks win is, is going to really carry some weight because this is the one that, that yeah, you know, the Yams won the division and everything, but we've beaten the Yams. We've beaten the Cardinals. Like, that's not whatever. This was the one that kind of standed our way. And I, I kind of feel that we can circle the wagons and say, hey, look, if we can beat anybody. And, I mean, we're talking about teams calling Kaepernick. We're talking about a Super Bowl team. You know what I'm saying? A Super Bowl caliber team that couldn't beat the Seahawks. And so, you know, they can look like look at the players. That's Patrick Willis. That's Navarro Bowman. That's you know, look at the players that we had in Seattle in the NFC championship game. That's a Super Bowl caliber roster that couldn't get it done against Seattle. And then next year when we go into Seattle, it's because Nick Mullins already understood. Nick Mullins had said it yesterday. We were confident. We felt like we could beat them because there was even plays in that game that all of a sudden one or two plays go different. Richie, uh, Richie James doesn't fumble. Dante Pettis doesn't drop that touchdown pass. You know, little things, you know, they don't call that bullshit. Definitely deceiving for damn sure. You know, a couple things went wrong by the second, by the half half time around the frame. And, uh, yeah, that's all she wrote. Yeah. And so I think that's what you saw yesterday. All of a sudden, because we didn't drop that pass, because the refs didn't call that bullshit fumble, because we didn't have that offsides penalty, I think that's why the game was more competitive than it was last week. Because, you know, it was Seattle making the mistakes and not us. And so, uh, so yeah, most definitely, uh, thank you for coming on this week, Adam. For having my friend, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking to myself, it'll be pretty interesting if we do close the game on a four-game winning streak against playoff, playoff caliber teams or after teams that are going to be in the playoffs, obviously, with the Bears, possibly the Seahawks, and possibly the Bears. So, uh, next year, we're going uh, to feel pretty damn good about Kyle Shanahan being 7-1 in December. So I think we should be thinking about six and ten and back-to-back years with all the bullshit, right? Right? So maybe maybe all of a sudden does that show you that it was not saying that it didn't have a lot to do with it, but does that show you that it's not as much Jimmy G cool as we thought it was? I mean, I'm just happy as hell once again, just seeing all these players just take steps forward once again. I'm I'm all in next year, so I'm continuing exactly. loving seeing guys put steps forward and develop and seeing all that good stuff. All right, brother. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, so I am going to get up out of here. I shall see y'all next week. Safe seven happiness. Go Niners. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.